You're listening to the Quince podcast. On 1st February, Finance Minister Nirmala Sitaraman tabled the union budget for the next financial year on the back of several challenges thrown up by the pandemic. In response, Indian stock markets zoomed over 2300 points on the day and even extended the rally today. But how did everyday people and experts view the budget? According to a budget opinion poll by Seavoter conducted on 2nd February, 36.4% respondents said the center delivered worse than expected. The survey also stated that 25.1% people felt that the budget was better than expected. and 27.6% people said it was just as expected experts noted the budget as bold transparent and a big gamble on the growth revival among key highlights were a sharp rise in fiscal deficit emphasis on capital expenditure privatization of public sector banks and primary focus on the health and wellness sector however digging deeper into the numbers we noticed there's more than meets the eye to understand the big hits and misses of the budget and to break down the numbers further In this episode you'll hear from Dr. Ratan Roy, a leading economist and the director for the National Institute of Public Finance and Policy. Sanjay Pakalia, the editorial director for the Quint, and Saurabh Mukherjee, the founder of Marcellus Investment Managers. You're tuned in to the Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you, and I'm your host, Himmat. Now this year's union budget outlined a sharp increase in the fiscal deficit which is the gap between what the government earns and what the government spends and the fiscal deficit which was projected to be 3.5% for 2021 and 2022 by the finance ministry shot up to 9.5%. Now the finance minister Nirmala Sitaraman blamed the pandemic for a weak revenue inflow for this financial year. However, Dr. Ratan Roy believes that the government missed its golden moment and that the pandemic should not have been an excuse for the rise in fiscal deficit. Well, what the budget reflects to me is that she has been very courageous the finance minister in doing two things one in making sure that she presents a very clear and transparent picture of the macro fiscal numbers in the budget speech and that is very important because the budget speech is the official document on record so the accountability is got only when you say something in the budget speech last year she did not so she was not accountable for her numbers in that sense either to parliament or to history now she did She has presented a budget in which we have seen a fall in revenue, a rise in expenditure, and therefore a rise in the fiscal deficit. About one third of the fall in revenue has happened not because there has been a fall in tax revenue, because what's happened is because of buoyant uh, petroleum excise, uh, the fall in income tax and uh, and India and, and GST has been almost completely compensated by the rise in petroleum excise. The curious thing is why privatization receipts collapsed. <coughs> This is best interest. <coughs> They have collapsed from an ambition of two lakh twenty-five thousand crores to just thirty-two thousand crores. Now this is not pandemic-related because the stock market was booming, capital markets were booming. People didn't know where to put their money. This was the golden moment to get your act together and privatize. And the government of India, the finance ministry, failed miserably, miserably in this quest. As a consequence of which, only two-thirds of her borrowing. has been used for expenditure to increase expenditure of which it for food subsidy that is to feed people who went who otherwise would have got hungry during the lockdown take the set up got to the rega to give people basically wages that will allow them to subsist 
So what you've seen is a budget last year that has provided for subsistence, but not for structural recovery at all, by no means. This talk about capital expenditure increases is just talk. If you look at every 100 rupees the government of India borrows traditionally over the last five, six years, 75 rupees does not go for capital expenditure. It goes to meet revenue expenditure commitments, interest on debt, salaries, subsidies, pensions, because our tax revenues and disinvestment is not even enough to cover our revenue expenditure. Only 25 paise in the rupee, or 25 rupees in 100 rupees, goes for capital expenditure. That's the norm. This year, that number is lower. It is less than 24 rupees. And next year, in our budget forecast, she just wants to bring it up to 25 rupees. So you have increased the fiscal deficit, but you have not changed the structure of public spending towards yeah. investment and capital expenditure. Therefore, this is not an investment-driven budget. This continues to be business as usual. This continues to be a budget where an increasingly fiscally stretched government of India is scrambling to find sources to keep its revenue expenditures going. The only extra and laudable thing they have done is they have averted mass hunger, they have averted mass suffering by putting money into food subsidies and Nareva. That is all that has happened. In the budget, the government has changed its nature of expenditure and is planning to spend more on productive assets like national highways and railway corridors. These infrastructure development projects are also cleverly allocated in pole-bound states such as West Bengal, Tamil Nadu, Assam and Kerala, which are headed to elections in the coming months. However, implementing these projects in these states in the given time frame may prove difficult and not have the immediate economic impact and the job creation which the government is aiming towards. Here is the Quinn's editorial director, Sanjay Pakalia, explaining how these expenditures may not work in the centre's favour. The following audio is a bit noisy since it was recorded in a public space. This budget is very cleverly drafted. The government says that our top priority and the sole focus is on growth. Now you can't fight with it. But the uh, critics of the budget, they are arguing, uh, uh, they are saying that we need jobs right away for the countrymen. We need uh, to attack uh, inequality and we need to make sure that more and more people do, don't slip down to the uh, below poverty level. So this is very important that uh, be, without a lag, something is done for them. So government argues that the kind of infrastructure projects we are announcing and the implementation will start soon, it will create enough virtual cycle of economic activity that will take care of poverty, inequality and joblessness. That is the government argument. In India, we have always been discussing the uh, problem is execution, the mammoth uh, bureaucratic uh, problem and then we have poor state capacities so we will have to wait and watch but that is the uh, key question that how government is going to really execute what it has promised if you notice not only finance minister but later the prime minister also focused on the pole bound states Nirmala Sita Raman named those cities and states where we are going for elections like Tamil Nadu, Kerala, Assam, West Bengal and uh, Leh Ladakh also because there will be assembly election at some point in time soon. So the whole focus was of this budget to, to, to communicate to the uh, potential voters of these states that look we are doing so much for you so please vote for us. That is the underlying commentary or the effort by any political uh, ruling establishment and we can't quarrel with that. But the messaging was completely and clearly political. 
The other issue that is being talked about a lot is some uh, uh, steps on the reform side and privatization side. Government has uh, announced a very aggressive plan to privatize two banks and one insurance company. Government has also announced a development finance institution. Uh, again, the problem is uh, how are they going to execute it looking at the bureaucratic muddle that we live in. Uh, I think government knows all of this and they have calculated one thing which is that we are not going to do everything this year. Uh, it is a medium term budget actually. Uh, so they are looking at uh, showing something visibly happening on the ground for say certain things by UP election or certain things by the next Lok Sabha election. Another highlight from the budget is the privatization of two public sector banks, PSUs and one general insurance company. This was also the first time when the word privatization has been mentioned in the budget, which may reflect the government's trust in the private sector. However, the revenue target from privatizing these public sector banks, which is Rs 1.7 lakh crore, does not necessarily require the sale of the banks and can be achieved through sale of other government assets. Saurabh Mukherjee weighs in. I, I, I don't doubt that the government will try their level best to expedite uh, the privatization of a couple of ESU banks, but how exactly uh, you know you and I as public investors can make money from it, I really am at a loss to understand. Furthermore, the 1.7 lakh crore target, if they push through a Concord sale, BPCL sale, an Air India sale, an LIC IPO, to be honest, that itself will by and large take them to their 1.7 lakh crore target. So I'm not even sure that they need to, you know, in some great panic, expedite PSU bank privatization. There's an SPV that they're going to create to buy land from PSUs. So how, how you fund the SPV and how much land you buy itself could take you some way towards that 1.7 lakh crore target. So I think they've done a, I think in, in, in this whole privatization piece has been presented very cleverly. ARC now, uh, SPV now, uh, and then, uh, you know, use that uh, as a, as a way to, what should I say, depressure, reduce the amount of pressure that the government has to deliver privatization swiftly. And by putting a 1.7 lakh crore number, the government is indicating to the financial markets that I am in no rush. I've got good assets. I'm in no rush. I will look for top dollar when I sell these assets. As earlier stated, discrepancies in overall figures reflect across sectors. And the biggest case in point is healthcare. The finance minister announced a budget of Rs 2,23,846 crores, which is nearly a 137% jump from last year. But if you break it down, more than one third of the budget comes from allocations which are not direct investments in health or are one-time investments only. These figures are the allocations for water, sanitation, finance commission grants, which stand at a total of Rs 49,214 crores and the one-time cost of COVID vaccinations of Rs 35,000 crores. In our previous episode, we took a deep dive into the healthcare budget and broke down the COVID vaccination distribution numbers and whether the budget is in sync with the ground realities. If you have missed that episode, please check out its link in our show notes. Now, two key sectors that don't have much to gain from the budget are agriculture and education. At a time when the government is facing flak from farmers over three farm bills passed in the parliament last year, the spending on agriculture has gone down and there was also no mention of the three farm laws. However, no specific budgetary decisions were announced which could directly impact the farmers. In an aid to the agriculture sector, an agriculture cess on specified goods was introduced, which included alcoholic beverages, gold, silver, cotton, peas, apple, petrol and diesel, through which the government aims to generate more revenue. Many also hope that the Bharatiya Janata Party-led centre would allocate a better budget for education to address the woes of children on the receiving end of the digital divide. 
the budget blueprints show that the center plans to reduce spending on education by rupees 6076 crore from the 99300 crore in 2020 and to rupees 93224 in 2021 reduced spending though forced by factors will barely come to the aid of disadvantaged students who may have dropped out of schools due to lack of resources made worse by the economic impact of the pandemic how well the spending boost impact the economy remains to be seen dr ratan roy believes that the government delivered a lot of promises but has failed to deliver a plan of action for any of them dr roy further provides insights on what could have been a more reasonable budget for a country which is reeling from a pandemic and high levels of unemployment right from the word go engaged in a program of income support to smes by essentially taking the state governments and the indian private sector into confidence and coming up with a joint india plan an india spending battle plan where the government of india the state governments and the private sector perhaps civil society organizations acting together would work to get income support to the people who most need it who are not the people who are making profits or stock brokers who are people who earn wages i and and daily wages and migrant workers and people who are vulnerable because they have lost jobs i would have focused on providing them with income support in the chaos i would have i would have immediately had a high level commission of inquiry as to why privatization was disinvestment receipts year after year were falling short and i would have tried to take the private sector into confidence and try and create an india task force to make sure that privatization happens we have very talented people in bombay we have some of the best capitalists in the in the developing world they need to be part of this process in a much more public and transparent way to be able to do this this is not going to be done by the delhi sultanate sitting there and writing little you know notes on green sheets of paper which is what they used to doing that business process is not going to bring about that transformation you need not just cooperative federalism you need joint up action between the governments of india the private sector and civil society that is what a challenge where the growth rate has shrunk for the first time in my lifetime requires and the and, and neither the government nor society rose to that challenge and that is very disappointing but i think uh, the the aspiration for india should be that our resources are employed our people don't work at full potential our skills need to be developed so obviously any indian should have the aspiration that we should have inclusive growth and social stability so we should not put that aspiration aside the question is does this budget do anything to further our cause in terms of that aspiration and my judgment is it does some things but not enough it does uh, there's a scatter shot of good things in the budget you know financial sector reforms tax reforms but there is no plan there is no structural plan which tells me how going forward in the next 5 years i am going to be a significantly more prosperous and more inclusive country when you feed people when you are forced to feed people because if you to the public purse if you didn't feed them they would otherwise starve that so apni bata kahan hai where is the where is the section is there the objective is for people to have jobs and with their own dignity to go to the market buy their food educate their children we are no closer to that goal with this budget if you like listening to this episode please subscribe to the big story for episodic updates we are available on apple google podcast spotify geo saban and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms For other podcasts please log on to the Quint website and for any feedback please shoot an email to podcast@thequint.com Thanks for listening 
Log on to the Quince website and check out our other podcasts. 